Welcome to the Digiday Podcast. I'm Brian Morrissey. This week, I'm joined by Josh Topolsky, who is the editor-in-chief of the Culture and Innovation Group at Bustle Digital Group. That includes the outline, which Topolsky founded and Bustle bought almost a year ago, as well as uh, titles like Input, Mic, and Inverse. Josh and I discuss what seemed like a strange marriage with Bustle, why the world needs yet another tech publication with Input, and the current state of blandness in digital media. Hope you enjoy. Josh, welcome back to the podcast. I'm happy to be here. How so be three years ago, you were on here. It was kind of early days, I guess, of the outline. Very early. Okay. And you know, you were talking to me about, um, about why the outline should exist. And, and I want to use this as sort of an entree into what you're doing now. And you said everything in digital media is insanely boring now. Everything <laughs> looks the same. Everything sounds the same. Three years on, where are we? <laughs> well, um, I think uh, that's still that it's still a problem. Sameness. By the way, a, a side note on that. Yeah. Um, when I remember this vividly, when you uh, put the podcast up, the um, I think the headline for the post was "There's too much sameness in digital media." Okay. And then you know, there's like a thousand bots that retweet Digiday, and it was like this wall on Twitter of there's too much sameness in digital media repeated by all of these like Digiday. Sp- no, I didn't know there was a lot I'm of Digiday they're, bots. They're not like spam bots saying you employ them or anything. <laughs> but there were a lot, there's a lot of things that just like take news sources and retweet oh, yeah. their headlines or yeah. whatever. So and it was just very, it was very funny. I think, no, I, I did a screen grab of it. And I <laughs> tweeted it because I thought it was a, a funny um, part of the, you know, piece of the puzzle <laughs> being exposed. Yeah, exactly. Um, there's, too, there's still too much sameness, but actually that same, I mean, a lot of that sameness has been, I mean, some of it has been extinguished by the kind of calamity of the media industry. Yeah. I think one of the things that's happened over the last three years since we, you know, launched the outline um, is you've seen, I talked about this, I wrote this manifesto before we actually even got funding for the outline about like the kind of, uh, was, you know, I wrote this thing on Medium called your, your uh, you know, your, media business will not be saved or something like that. Sure. How can I not remember the title now? (laughs) So long ago. But, you know, um, it was about this idea that there's a lot of people making a lot of sort of cheap, recycled, recycled, uh, repeatable stuff. And that's like, at some point you have to draw a line somewhere. So I think that, um, I mean, it's unfortunate the way it has happened that a lot of people in media have lost jobs. A lot of companies have gone under. Um, but I do think it's part of a calling of us saying, like, what is the audience? What is a real audience for all of this stuff? How many of them are there for each site that wants to have, a, you know, the same version of the same story told in exactly the same way? Is there a real – is that a real business or is it – are we starting to realize that there's only certain parts of this that are going to work and not work for audiences? Yeah. What was your big takeaway, though, from the outline experience? I mean, because you were always, I think, I feel like during it, you were like, I don't know if it'll work. Yeah. You know, I want to see if it's going to work. Yeah, still working, I'm, by the I'm way. Gonna, I mean, it's working. It, right, right. It, it, as in a an independent company. Yeah, as an independent. The, my big takeaway. Within this sea of sameness. My big takeaway uh, is, uh, in terms of the business, there are so many things that have to be perfect for something as small, but as ambitious as the outline to work on its own. We didn't hit every one of those things. You know, we didn't get, I don't think we knocked I think we had an amazing product, an amazing ad product. We had brands that we've worked with and continue to work with that loved it. We didn't have the scale to go out to everybody we needed to talk to and say, hey, we're doing this thing. Hey, we've got this great, valuable audience. We're not the biggest in the world, but we're doing something that really adds value and find all of those advertisers that we should be working with. I think one of the big lessons was um, 
even in a scenario where you do everything right, and we certainly didn't, you still, there's always that question of, is there an apparatus around it that can support what you need to do mm-hmm. that has the the scale or the um, the the connections necessary to make it all work, right? right? So, I mean, I think it's one piece of it. I think it's also was interesting to see, um, to watch what it's like when you're not in the news. By the way, we launched like a month after Trump got elected. And I don't, I don't, we were launched by the, when we talked, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that, and Trump has changed the whole media landscape. And I mean, and I mean this, like, not just because of this fake news shit and, you know, um, the, you know, the way that he attacks the media, but the, the media landscape has, has, there's so much information now that is new every day and every week that, that there is an app, there's less of an appetite, I think, for the curiosities and for the more, some of the more creative stuff. And, you know, those, that stuff is like harder to get a word in edgewise because you've got so much, um, complexity in the just general news cycle now. Yeah, it takes all the oxygen out of the room. Yeah, and, right? and people are exhausted by the at the end of the day. You know, I remember when we were launching the outline before Trump, I mean, obviously this was all happening, but you felt like at the end of the day you wanted to get, you sit down with something or like at lunchtime you'd want to sit down with like a bigger piece or something that wasn't necessarily topical, that wasn't about what, you know, is happening in D.C. Uh, or some, you know, horrible thing that Trump has somehow triggered. But now it's like you feel this exhaustion at the, at the you know, on your when you get a break, vacations start earlier. Have you noticed this? Yeah. I mean, this is real. I mean, people start revving up for a vacation like a week earlier than they used to now. Like we have, I see people, they're just gone, you know? It's like a week before the week that everybody takes off and people are gone. Yeah. They're desperate to get away from the kind of crush of news that we have every day. So, so I want to talk about that. But when when you decided that the outline wasn't going to work as an independent business, but that the brand should continue to yeah. exist, yeah. right? There were ways that it could work as an independent business, but they weren't ways that we could keep doing the best stuff. I mean, we we there were scenarios where it could continue to be independent, but two things happened. One is, well, one is we wanted to do more, not less. Sure. It's like something like input, which is something we started talking about um, when the outline was still an independent brand. Mm-hmm. Um, and I started talking to Brian Goldberg, which is a conversation I did not envision having. I did not envision having ever. And it turned out to be like a pretty interesting conversation. And so, but you know, I think that there were ways that we could have kept being independent, but it wasn't, we, we couldn't have done a lot of the right. things we couldn't be ambitious. So you had to be part of a larger organization. Yeah, and I think so. Why, why was, I don't want to dwell too much on it, but why was Bustle the right place? Well, we were talking to some other folks and, and in fact, we're very far along with another conversation. Um, but the conversation I started with Brian was, became a lot more interesting. And, and the, the why bustle i think is has a lot in common with the conversation that i had with um jim bankoff that marty mo and i had when we were talking about getting the team out of aol the engadget team and going and building the verge which didn't exist uh and we were talking to different people saying where could this work and um the conversation with jim was very much like the conversation with brian in that here's a business that exists but it's not you know, it's a, it's a healthy business, it's a growing business, but is there something that can be added on to it, something built uh, uh, that, that helps it kind of accelerate its growth and accelerate some of the ideas that the core business has? And that was, so that when I started talking to Brian, it was very much a similar kind mm-hmm. of surprising 
So explain why there was alignment, because I think from the outside, you know, Brian Goldberg, I I mentioned before we started this, he holds the record for the number of Digiday podcasts, and I want to try to get Brian back on. If he's listening, Brian, stop dodging me. Um, (laughs) Wow. But I know it's a challenge. It's a threat. It's a challenge. It's a threat slash challenge. It's out there. (laughs) Um, But I would think it's like opposites, right? I mean, because like, you know, on the surface, right? Because, I mean, you know, Brian founded, was a founder of Bleacher Report. Bleacher got a lot of like arrows for doing a lot of the sameness you seem to be, you know, talking about the outline being opposite to. Explain why there was a meeting of the minds. Well, I think that the the opposites thing is actually part of the attraction um, and why it makes sense. Um, You're right. I mean, I think we come from very different places. Uh, we co- we've d- made very different things historically. Mm-hmm. When I talked to Brian, the conversation, what he what he was demonstrating and showing to me, you know, when you look across the women's lifestyle brands like Zoe Report or Elite Daily or, or Bustle, they're, they're different and different size audiences and different audiences. And some of them are really big and some of them are not that big. And we had this conversation about could, you know, should media businesses exist where everything isn't trying to get to 40 million you know, uniques and, you know, trying to be the, the monolithic piece. And I think a place where we really connected and I think a place where Brian wants the company to grow and was excited about growing was let's figure out what those different brands are and build them to the right size and find the right brands that Mm want to, you know, advertise on them, find the right audiences that want to come and visit them. And a collection of those things makes the business, the overall business stronger. That, that was the thing that was most surprising when I first talked to him was that even though our strategies for building businesses were totally different, our alignment on this idea that businesses shouldn't be one size fits all and that there is room in a healthy business for smaller sites like the outline and really big sites like bustle and everything in between if you run the business right. And that was a place where I felt like we could align and have aligned on, on building something that's, that's pretty new. That's, you know, based on, on what they have built and what we have built. So is that something more complicated than having like, you know, some kind of like, you know, sexy, you know, high minded stuff, but then having the SEO driven um, recaps of, you know, name, name the name the show that is trending um, at that moment? Yeah. You know, there's there's a large look, every publication does that sort of um, sometimes it's in the back of of the house Mm -hmm. operation. Mm -hmm. Every publication. Every. No, no, I'm agreeing with you. <laughs> no, 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 I, everybody does have it. Have you read and our New Pope uh, recap? I haven't, but I want to. <laughs> but but you understand that, that this is, and this is something that to me is, I think one of the, and it is, a, it, I believe, a somewhat unfortunate uh, product of where we are in terms of the model, the business model for media right now. But the reality is even... The Times and even the Even the Times, yeah. even... New York Magazine, The Cut. People love The Cut. I love The Cut. Amazing. They do some of the most important journalism in the world. But they're also doing, you know, SEO-friendly, searchable content that gets a lot high, high volume uh, of, of clicks and is done for that express purpose. And they need, because they need to sell ads against it, because they need to have a certain amount of volume to sell ads against, because um, social networks have forced the media industry into a very uncomfortable and and relatively um, um, difficult position right now. And I think that um, that's, that's reality. 
But also, we're trying to reclaim some of that space and doing the things that we were doing at the outline and combining those with a scale, with a, such, a, such a scale of something like BDG is part of the way we mm-hmm. try to reclaim some of that ground. So your portfolio is the culture and innovation. And I want to talk about what exactly it is. It's, it's the outline. It's, it's inverse. Um, input. Input. Yep. And then Mike. Mike. Yep. Not Elite Daily. You didn't get Elite Daily. No. Um, Lee Daly is, is firmly in the women's lifestyle. Didn't get Zoe Report. Camp, did not. I said, give me Zoe Report. <laughs> All right, one last demand. Inverse and Zoe Report. Um, so explain what that is. And do you are, do you look at it as like you'll do both in this or just like, no, I just do the high-minded stuff. It's very crafted. It's very... Uh, we're, so I will say just... There's also a question just on that point about the the two levels that we're saying, like there's the lower, you know, quality and then the higher quality. There's actually like a way to bring up the quality of everything. And I would say that across the company, uh, uh, you know, on both sides of that, in both the, the culture and innovation group and uh, on the women's lifestyle, where everybody's working really hard to make sure that everything is good. Yeah. You know, I, I didn't mean uh, to like actually, cause I do, that's actually a good point because it, it isn't like bifurcated. And another like longtime guest, Neil Vogel has actually done a really good job of succeeding in upping the quality of, you know, the SEO that, that we all knew about.com for. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, it nicer. And one of the things I've learned watching inverse do what it does is that there's, there's a, there are huge audiences that are looking for, you know, they want to understand like the star Wars universe. In inverse a way. is science. Inverse is science. It's really entertainment, uh, uh, science. We do some innovation stuff, but it's really like the future of energy. It's space travel. It's, you know, mm-hmm. um, and, and, you know, a huge part of, of the inverse audience is looking for entertainment coverage, particularly around, you know, fandoms, right? So, you know, Rick and Morty or the Marvel movies or Game of Thrones, that kind of stuff. And one of the things that's interesting about their models, they write these great stories, which I love, which I turns, it turns out I'm actually somewhat addicted to that are, and a lot of people are looking for this, that is like, okay, I understand what happened in the new Star Wars movie. I want to go like 10 levels deeper on like some weirdness about like the backstory of like where, like how Ray, you know, got the, you know, this gold colored lightsaber or whatever. And there are people all over the internet talking about this. And there's only a few places where people are really intelligently putting that together. It's a really interesting form of journalism that kind of didn't exist up until like probably this last decade, um, which is something like not recaps, and not actual like, you know, these aren't like fact-based reports. They're almost like collecting ideas into something that makes sense for like an average reader or a, even a be above average reader who's interested in that stuff. But sorry, that's a little bit of a tangent, but that's like the kind of stuff that works really well in like an SEO world because people are actually looking mm-hmm. for it, but also is pretty damn interesting and pretty pretty well done. Um so, so just in terms of just getting back to that sort of question about quality, uh, me, I'm doing, I'm doing everything that we, sh- that, that I can do and helping everywhere I can to make great things for people to see and read and experience yeah, on okay. the internet, um, with all of those brands. So there's inverse. We talked about that. Yeah. Okay. Then there's the outline and the outline's mission is, has remained. Keeping it weird. To be the, yeah. to be the, what was it? The, the New Yorker for millennials? Yeah. Which I, and I, and which is a, you know, it's funny now because the New Yorker is something totally different. The New Yorker is like, I mean, still does the New Yorker stuff, but the New Yorker also has to play sure. the news game and the SEO game. And so now they blog a lot about Trump and, and, you know, the end of democracy as we know it and, you know, the coming apocalypse that we're all living in. Uh, but yeah, coming. I mean, I thought, of- well, we're, that we're, okay. <laughs> we're here. <laughs> we're it's here. Frozen it. <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. It's 2020. I think it happened. Um, but 
outline keeps is is not we're not chasing news. The outline's telling big, uh, thoughtful, thought provoking, sometimes um, controversial stories. Yeah. Uh, and I would say that you know Mike, Mike is also in the group, is doing more of that. You know, one of the interesting. So things, what is Mike's lane now? So Mike, actually, Mike has is in many ways going back to some of its core what it what really worked for it at its core. You know, there was a period where I think, and, and, and you know, the outline even wrote about this kind of period of Mike where it got, it got a little bit out of control with it, you know, what size it should be, where its focus should be. And it sort of was like a one size fits all, you know, for everything. I think that, you know, where it's focusing now, it's focusing on, on the sort of interaction between um, culture and, and uh, uh, politics and um, how we how we treat each other and how we treat ourselves, um, you know what's happening in society and how it impacts you and what you can do to impact what's happening in society. I think there's a lot more of that mm-hmm. happening. So it's still millennial focused. Yeah, yeah, and it's still and there's still polit- you know politics are a big part of it. Yeah, social justice is a big part of it. But it's a question of like how you come at that and what stories you tell. And I think a good example of that in in in, in talking about all of this is, you know, uh, there's an editor at Mike, a uh, guy named Jeff Ahaza, who was uh, one of the writers who worked at the outline in the early days. And now he's editing culture stuff for uh, Mike. And I think he's bringing something there that that Mike previously didn't have. It's just a kind of different viewpoint, a different voice. And and that whole team is kind of rethinking, like, what are the... Because re- if everybody's... You know, Mike had the right idea, which was news, news and uh, uh, what's happening in this world like really communicated for a younger audience, for an audience that wasn't raised reading the newspaper. The, what changed is that a lot, the, everybody else started doing the exact same thing, including mm-hmm. the, the the big sites, right? Including the Post and and the Times. And so, you know, you have to kind of evolve that. And I think they're, they're much more focused now in terms of what stories they choose to talk about and when they choose to talk about them. And, and as a result, they have more impact. So input, I mean, yes. y- you sort of went back to your roots a little bit, yes. like with starting a tech site. And I think, you know, probably, I think you came out of the gates sort of trying to, to answer the questions that people would have, which is like, why in the world another tech site at this point? Particularly well, when technology is, is a, it's a horizontal, not a vertical. Yeah. Well, you know, people always say why. People always say why. You no, launch anything. Why now? You know, like, why this? Another one of those? I mean, they said the same thing when we, when we launched The Verge. They did. I mean, I mean, people were like, we have Engadget, and we have Gizmodo, and we have CNET, and we have, you know, Business Insider, and whatever. And, there, you know, the list goes on and on. And it's like, well, it's different. It covers things differently. It covers different things. It has a different perspective and a different attitude, a different way of telling stories. You know, for me, input was very much um, spending time away from tech gave me a perspective on it where, mm-hmm. you know, I was able to see more what was working, what wasn't, what I liked and what I didn't, what made me bored when, you know, I was starting the outline. I felt like I had kind of gotten bored with what technology coverage was doing, what made me bored and what I didn't like and wait, start to think about ways of how I could do something new. Yeah. So, so what's the lens? The lens is, I mean, to your point, I mean, the, to about the, hor- the, the horizontal nature, the point is that um, the things that we used to think were uh, specialized and 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 uh, for a small segment of the audience have become mainstream. And the mainstreaming of that has made those stories way less interesting, even though people still cover them over and over again. In addition, think people like the New York Times are covering technology as good, if not better, than almost anybody else. Like the same stories, right? Nazis on Twitter or what's happening on Instagram. They hired Taylor Lorenz, who's an amazing writer mm-hmm. who's like knows more about what teens are doing than any human being on the planet. Digital podcast guests. Um, and and so and so you have to look elsewhere. And so I think there's there's places where one, I think we can be more a little more like 
we can be more efficient just with the way you tell a story. Like things that are important to us are still important, but you know, you don't need to do a thousand words on every story. So we're playing around with like the, the way we actually write the stories themselves. I We see a big connection between um, design and fashion and style and where that's all going um, and technology. And there's a lot of crossover there. There's also a lot of crossover with gaming. And I think exploring that sort of cultural intersection of design, fashion, and technology is really interesting. So we're doing more of that. Um, and one of the things that I that I read, and this is more about like, you have to do it over and over again to really understand it. it. There's just a lot of bullshit in the way people talk about what is going on out there. Like what is what they put value in in terms of like the most important part of a story. We're trying to find ways to kind of cut through some of that noise. And everybody says that what, phrase. What's an example? Um, you know, the this is a good. I, this is one I think about all the time. How many? There's been like how many versions? Of, there's the next iPhone is going to be the iPhone 12. Okay, but there have been also these like plus versions and there's been a lot of iPhones, you know, like dozens of iPhones. If you read an iPhone review somewhere, it's like 3,000 words about like the bezel or whatever, you know, or about like the, you know, the elegant glass, whatever bullshit is like about how it's a really beautiful phone. I think people are get it, you know, everybody has a pretty beautiful phone in their pocket. Yeah. There's things you don't have to say anymore. There's things you really do need to say. And how can you make that more efficient? Uh, uh, more like how can you say it in a more modern way? How can you do it in not maybe a text wall? Maybe it's yeah. something that's more like an Instagram story, you know, um, which we've been doing. You know, we have so the this, packaging, the, the packaging, and the way it's worded. Right. I mean, what you say, what you choose to say, and what you choose to not say. But from the approach, is it different starting a tech publication now versus Engadget when like we're in this sort of tech lash, yeah, sort of thing where a lot of the beforehand we were talking about the iPhone and and whether the iPhone whether we'll look back on the iPhone as being like uh, a horrific development right. for humanity. <laughs> um, because when you, you know, look, technology coverage, particularly when it came to quote unquote gadgets, um, was a lot of like, oh my God, this stuff's amazing. Yeah. And now all of a sudden it's, this stuff is killing us. So, and that is actually part of what, with input that we wanted to kind of, we're trying to address, which is like, yes, there is a lot of negative, there are many negative things happening uh, uh, and there are things that are in technology. Um, there, there is a point where it's like really well, that's a well-covered topic and there may be something else to say, mm-hmm. which is one of the things that we're, tr- we're looking for every day. I mean, there's a, there's a, a dozens and maybe hundreds of stories every day that we won't cover because it's just like, this is well handled. I do think, yes, it, I mean, but, but okay, sorry. So we're talking about is the iPhone, we're going to look back in 20 years and say this thing was a disaster. Why do we make this? Um, is the current state of reporting about technology the only story to, to tell? And I don't think it is. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, is the only story to tell about Amazon how bad Amazon is? I do think there's a lot to say there, um, but I don't think it's the only one. And, I th- and, and so we're trying to find, like, what are those other stories? like, And what are those other places to look? Not even about, is it, should we keep looking at Amazon? But, I mean, we did this story early on. Um, we have this editor, Edgar Alvarez, who came over from Engadget, who is a genius when it comes to, like, he, he's a, a true, like, sneakerhead, um, but also, like, a total nerd. And he did this story about, like, you know, the technology that's being used in sneaker production. And, and you know, Kanye went and did this. He's making an algae shoe or whatever. And there's all this really interesting stuff happening there, which is an intersection that m- almost, you know, most tech sites aren't even thinking about or talking about. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there a story there? So that's the type of story you want to tell. 
part of partly, yeah, 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 for sure. And also, there are stories that I want to tell, and there are things that we know. Some of them that we're trying to figure out how to tell that y- you don't know yet. You're sort of developing it in real time. You know, um, we want to be critical of Twitter, right, or Facebook. We have a writer who pitched us some stories the other day, and it was stories about um, subscription services, and it was, and all four of the pitches were really negative. And I was like, "Is there anything here? Are any of these good?" And if there are, like, can we explain why they are good? You know, like news, you know, like food subscriptions or whatever. And and I'm trying to figure out, like, what, where are the pockets of innovation still yeah. happening? And where are the things that we need to be really critical of that haven't yet been fully addressed? But you don't want to go overboard with the... Because, look, everyone goes from, like, one side of the soccer field to the other side. And, and I feel like now it's, like, all about the negatives of tech. Well, you're right. And that's... And uh, then talking about... Like, we did... We just did a bunch of reporting around Sonos had this really weird... Oh, yeah. It's like recycle program that like killed products and they were doing these, you know, killing these like software updates. And it was, you know, we were very critical of the company. I'm also like a guy who's, I love Sonos and I've invested a lot of money and time. They backtracked. People won't. They backtracked. People have forgotten already. Right. Well, you know, so we think it's worth our while to talk about it and to be really unvarnished in talking about it. Um, I think there is a, there is a, in, in technology generally, there's a lot of people kind of taking companies at their word. Now, one of the problems with like the tech lash that you're talking about is that we took companies at their word for a really long time yeah. is that we, and I've had, I've had people lie. I've had PR people at the largest tech companies in the world just lie to my face, mm-hmm. you know? And I don't think that anybody at, at input and, and hopefully, you know, at some of the other, you know, great tech publications that exist, I think a lot of people are not taking that at face value at this point. You know, they're not going to just say, yeah. repeat the PR line. But I do think we're trying to figure out where the, where the right place to be critical is and where the right place to be, to praise is because the, those do still exist mm-hmm. and, and they may not be the, the same pockets that we've been looking at for so long. So when we talk about differentiation, I mean, I think one of the things that we had talked about when you were uh, on the podcast like three years ago was, you know, part of the sameness is how everything looks on the web and how it behaves. And you were clearly trying, or you were doing something very different with the outline as far as the design and the technology platform. Now that's been ported over as far as I can tell from the outside to these these new sites. Um, yeah, I would say Ported is probably, and I'm not trying to correct your grammar here. Or whatever. Ported is probably less. It's more like we took the best of a of of what um, BDG had been doing when they had a platform called Typeset, which is now our kind of like parent platform for everything. Uh, what we were doing at the outline with the CMS that we had built, which was a completely custom CMS for doing you know, content that was just very visually different and built different than, than most things on the internet. Yeah. And, and, and parts of the inverse CMS, which were also really robust. There's some really interesting stuff there. Um, so you were still a believer in this. Cause I mean, I guess what I was trying to get at was that I think we went through this period where everyone was just doing WordPress sites because what does it matter? Because it's just being sucked up by platforms yeah. and, you know, the scalability of a very basic site was trumped any sort of differentiation bump that you would get. Right. Well, and we've seen the limitations to throwing everything into someone else's platform and right. hoping, crossing our fingers and hoping that they'll do the best things yeah. for us. And by the way, I feel strongly about this. Um, AMP is still, while it is a great, can be great in some situations, is still a um, a form and a format that, that uh, reduces what is possible. Apple News, while I think it is a tremendous platform for to get new eyeballs on your content, it is a place that reduces, streamlines, and diminishes what um, publishers create and what 
uh, the writers and editors hope to put into the yeah. world. It's lowest common denominator. And, and, and yes, and this is ongoing. You know, when people talk about the duopoly of Facebook and Google, they need to address that the duopoly has its, has its basis, not just in their size, but in their ability to manipulate the technology that we use to tell our stories. And when you can manipulate it and force publishers into something, you, it becomes very easy for you to tell them what to do and how to do it. The way we play the SEO game in the industry um, is a direct result of Google making decisions about content. Mm-hmm. They've made decisions about how they want to see the content, how they want us to structure the content, what can be successful or unsuccessful. There's a price that's exacted, and we have to push back against it. And the, one of the ways we push back is by owning our platforms and owning the way we tell stories as much as humanly possible, even if it means that we're still going to use AMP and we're still going to use Apple News and recognize that they will bring traffic and audience uh, and we have to think about them. But we, we need to have somewhere that's home base where we can express the right story in the right way. But I also would say that we should be much more universally critical across the media landscape of this. I've seen interviews with editors that I that I respect and people that I love talking about how much of their traffic comes from AMP. You shouldn't celebrate it. You should be scared. Mm-hmm. When I see, when I walk into any newsroom and they show me traffic and they say, we've got 60% of our traffic coming from Apple News or whatever, which you see in newsrooms all the time. And I would imagine, I don't know what the Digiday numbers are, but I'll bet a lot of people in the industry are like, wow, look at all the traffic Apple News is sending. But you can't make money off it, so. Well, that, but people talk about audience size and they talk about engagement and all. But the reality is like, be scared. If you're getting a huge amount of traffic from some source that you don't control and don't have any say yeah. in. Well, there's a history at this point, right? Well, <laughs> I mean, there's a history, but this is why, but this is why when you talk about the tech lash and all that stuff, this is why where you get into that, the regulation conversation, you get into the, like, what are the real stakes here and how do we kind of fix some of the things that we broke? I'm, I'm, I tend to be, Sorry, if I'm rambling, I can stop, but I'll just make this one last point. I tend to be optimistic. As much as it seems insane in our current predicament in media and in, like, the world, I tend to be optimistic that we can fix what is broken or at least make it better in in small ways, and that will inform the— What are some small ways? Well, I think what— one, I think we can all just strive to, to push back on this stuff, like collectively, not just, you know, people talk about people, everybody's really fired up about Bernie and, and, and the idea of the collective uh, and the sort of socialist sort of concept. Mm-hmm. Like, I think we can all, in the p- publishers should be collectively pushing back on the tech companies, not just writing articles about them, but really having conversations. Um, I think that Well, now is the time, right? Right. Because there's regulators circling in governments and stuff like this where... Whether it's for PR or genuineness, I mean, there's some leverage that to be exacted on the platform. Yeah, and regulation's real. Yeah. I mean, that's a real thing that can happen. It happened to Microsoft. It can happen to other publishers. But, but um, you know, pushing back collectively is a, is a big deal. But also, I think trying to push the envelope and see what, what the, an audience wants. I mean, that's getting back to your platform questions about the if I still believed in the idea of like building a different platform and differentiating and trying to tell stories in a different way. Um, I do believe in it because I think that one, there's an audience that wants it and appreciates it and really like picks it up and it's catnip to them that they see something that feels like of this moment. Um, and that's a large growing audience mm-hmm. every day. Um, there's a reason why Google created amp stories about a year after the, you know, six months after a year after the outline launched, they announced this amp stories thing. I'm not saying they ripped us off, although 
certainly their developers were aware of what we were doing. But there's a reason why suddenly they were like, hey, what if there was a web version of Instagram stories that could exist that publishers would be able to use? Um, th that's real. And instead of us waiting for tech companies to make, to make the next move, we should be uh, cribbing what we can from them, learning from it, building something new, hopefully building something better, and trying to own that as much as possible. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important. I think it works, you know? So you guys have started new brands. You've acquired new brands. What is the plan going forward? More acquisition or is it more towards organic growth or just, you know, focus on the existing portfolio? I mean, we have a lot of brands in the portfolio right you now. Did? We've added, I mean, in the last, you know, year, uh, BDG has added a lot. And the CNI group didn't exist a year ago, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and now it does. I mean, Brian, you know, look, I can't speak for Brian, and Brian is obviously, he has his eye on if there's something that's out there that makes sense. And well, I mean, he's been challenged to come on here to speak Yeah, no, himself. I mean, he should come and talk about it. We talk, <laughs> and we, this stuff comes up, and there are conversations about it, but I think right now the focus is on building the brands, building the technology, um, uh, scaling up brands that are smaller. You know, Input just launched like a month and a half ago, scaling that, you know, uh, inverse is is tens of millions of people come to Inverse every month. That can be, a lar I think, a much larger audience. We just relaunched uh, a sort of new design and with the new tools that we built for Inverse. That's going to go spread across the company as well, right? So the technology that we built is going to hit every brand in the portfolio, and that's going to have um, implications both in terms of editorial and on the, on the, on the advertising side. And so yeah. I think right now it's like a focus on we have a pretty big, collectively, you know, BDG is pretty huge, especially now with these new brands. I mean, and and um, it's interesting if you look at the, the scale and you look at like, you know, you can go and look at the investment levels of what companies have taken. If you look at the Voxes, you know, or the, the BuzzFeeds of the world or whoever, you know, the, the level of investment to get to that scale was enormous. You know, and I think that, that one of the things I've been impressed by, and, you know, sometimes Brian and I kind of, you know, argue over is that he, he's the way he runs the business is like, it's, it's very smart. It's very, but it's also very like self-critical, you know, and it's constantly looking at like month to month to month, are we doing the right things to make this a business that can be profitable and be sustainable? That's another thing, by the way, that we connected on this idea that you're not, there's not endless investment from VCs that are <laughs> going to support this business. We have to make it profitable. We have to yeah. make it sustainable. And that's, you know, so I think there's a big push right now, just obviously industry-wide, you hear everybody suddenly talking about it. Mm -hmm. you know. When are we going to see the new Gawker? <laughs> Gawker's on the shelf for now. Gawker's paused. And it's I think it's going to remain paused. Like the Mr. Peanut uh, Super Bowl <laughs> campaign? No, no, not like the Mr. Peanut uh, Super Bowl campaign. Uh, uh, no, it's, you know, when the time is right, if the time is right, if there's the right team and the idea is there, you know, there will be a conversation to have about that. But I think everybody right now is focused on these brands that we have uh, that are vibrant and vital and thriving and growing. I mean, you know, we've had even on, you know, you talk about the outline, you know, there's, there's a world where the outline doesn't exist. Mm -hmm. There's a world where it just goes out of business, right? Because like, who's going to support, uh, something so really, truly strange and different as the outline. I mean, I, I, I think you'd be hard pressed to look across the landscape now and say, oh, there's a lot of sites like the outline that do what the outline does. The outline is growing and, and thriving right now and is being supported by the company in a way that, you know, Brian, of course, in our first conversation, he's like, yeah, I love the outline. I want to support it. And you're kind of like, okay, well, let's see, mm -hmm. you know, and here, here we are, you know, uh, I mean, we joined the company when in, I think it was March or yeah. April. And, and it feels like there's just so these momentum. Brands, these brands have more investment as far as the number of people devoted to creating content. Because, I mean, the, the, the best argument for, like, a bustle digital group is that 
look, there's a lot of inefficiencies for subscale media companies as far as platform, as far as overhead, as far as, you know, accounting, yeah. sales. There's a lot to be said about yeah. being larger. Well, legal fees, like when you're a small startup, yeah. legal fees are a real, you know, like you're like, wow, can we afford this? to fight this copyright claim yeah. or whatever, you know? Um, yeah, there's a ton of efficiencies there. It's so uh, like how many people you have working across these brands? Across the C&I group? Yeah. Uh, 50, 40, it's, you know, something like 50, 60. I don't know the exact number. So you can be a lot more efficient. Dozens and dozens of people. Obviously. Uh, and, 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 and growing, and we're towards, hiring. Towards content. Yeah. Right? Yeah, so. and well, we have a, and I mean, one of the things that's interesting is, you know, we have our CTO, Ivar, um, who joined, you know, obviously joined the engineering team. And now the, we have a great centralized engineering team. But it's also where we run the business enough like a startup that like I'm, you know, I'm interfacing with Tyler Love, who's the CTO. We're having conversations about like, what should we build? How should we build it? Mm -hmm. How do we make better stuff for editorial? How do we make better stuff for advertisers? So it's still that startup mentality, that feeling of like you can affect change here. Much more so than any company, I think, that I've seen at this kind of scale that the entire organization is at. But yeah, I mean, there, there's huge efficiencies there, and you can focus on on doing things that are going to move the needle. And I would say just on the product side, one of the things that I think everybody was excited about with the outline was the product that we'd built. And, you know, when companies come together, you always hear, there's always this thing where it's like, oh, we love the technology they built. Like, like when... Um, you know, CNN acquired Beam, uh, oh, Casey yeah. Neistat's, you know, social app. You know, they're, they're like, we love the technology, we love the ideas, you know, and it's like they couldn't make it work. You know, I we're making it actually work. Like, I didn't, I didn't think we'd have built what we've built as rapidly as we've built it, you know. I mean, we've launched a new brand. We've built this kind of new, this hybrid platform. We just, you know, relaunched Inverse. I mean, it, it's all moving, like, pretty rapidly, but it's happening, which is very exciting to me. So... On differentiated media brands, give me give me a couple of your favorites right now that you think are doing a good job. Um, Not within the family brands across the across the space. Yeah. Um, wow, you're really putting me on the spot. Um, so there, I like with some weird things. Like it's nice that you know that site. Yes. It's like kind of a design uh, and art site. I think is from London. Right. I think it's consistently interesting. I find stuff in there all the time um, that I love. Uh, uh, you know, the intercept, I think continues to do really important coverage. Um, uh, I think the information has been doing just in terms of pure scoops. Yeah. I think they've been doing really well. Uh, and they, they're breaking stories that matter and getting pushed back from the right people, which you always like to see. Um, and you know, I, Axios is a, a brand that I, I like a lot. I don't know that I love their content, all the time, <laughs> like it's not for, it's not really for so what me. What do you like? About it? Well, I like what the, I like that they are trying something new. Okay. I like the ambition of saying like, and actually like, and I will openly admit like there are ideas that we're kind of borrowing from Axios about how we're doing things with input, where we're like, I like how they're kind of trying to keep these stories to kind of the core stuff and not asking me to go. They're not doing yes. a thousand word story about an eight hundred word New York Times. No, article. they had a they they had a good point about that. Yeah. And and it, it remains a good point. And then my it just thing, wears off after like four years of it, being told like it does it, I think they why I you think, should why I think they took it too extreme. <laughs> I think it's a little bit too extreme and a little bit too single minded in its approach. Yeah. But one of the things that I was like, this is so interesting, but what if you kind of blew this up a little bit? What if it was also became visual? What if it didn't have to be one size fits yeah. all? And so we started thinking about but the, the, I like like that's what we should be doing in this industry, not just from competitors. I don't consider an Axios a competitor exactly, but you know, not just from people that we like, but also from the tech companies. We should be like, what are the good ideas, and how can we uh, 
borrow those, uh, alter them, you know, mutate them, exploit them in a way that is going to be good for the audience and good for what we want to do. Um, so those are a few. I mean, I, there are definitely more. If I sat here for long enough, I could come up with a okay. list of 10 other sites. Next time, Josh. Yeah. Well, maybe uh, knowing you, Brian, on, I'll stop by and <laughs> exactly. give you my list. All right. Thanks so much for coming by. Yeah, thank you. Thank you all for listening. If you like this episode, I hope you do. Please do leave us a, um, a review. Um, we always like to get those. If, if it's a nice review, we'll even read it here. And also uh, rate us because that helps people find this podcast, apparently. We will be back next week with a new episode.